Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. We would be honored. No good to me dead. With Boba's epic return, I think it's only fitting that we talk about his extremely iconic ship. The Slave One is one of the most iconic ships in all of Star Wars, and there is so much rich information to do with everything with the weapons, the lore, who owned it before him, where it comes from, and all of the intricate details that Boba knew about it and how it could operate. Now the model of this ship was actually called the Firespray 3-class patrol and attack craft, or in other words known as the Slave One. This was a highly modified and death-dealing starfighter of the notorious intergalactic bounty hunter Boba Fett, and before him, his father, Jango. Slave One was customized with extremely precise and advanced weaponry, including, but not limited to, twin blaster cannons, two rapid-firing laser cannons, seismic charges that sound beautiful, and even two projectile launchers. But in order to attempt to avoid drawing too much attention, Slave One's destructive firepower had to be concealed beneath its robust armor-plated hull, which would then slide away whenever the Fets went on the attack. In addition to all of this, the already massive armed ship kept continuously being heavily upgraded throughout its long and illustrious bounty hunter life. Like the use of its S-thread trackers and homing beacons that were mounted on the Starfighter's unique dummy proton torpedoes. With those, the Slave One could use its homing beacons to tag whatever other vessel Django or Boba were pursuing. Then either of the bounty hunters could use their illegal holonet transceiver that was on board their ship to track whatever quarry they were after even through hyperspace. Of course, in order to avoid anyone else getting the same idea and using it against Slave One, the ship came equipped with an extra sensor array that could find any unwanted homing beacon. The FETs could sense this by scanning for and detecting any minor changes in the mass of the craft, no matter how seemingly insignificant or minuscule. As with all of its models, the Slave One rested on its bottom horizontally, with its engines facing the surface while the cockpit faced upwards. Therefore, whenever the ship had to take off, it was necessary to rotate the whole thing 90 degrees so the engines were rearward and the cockpit faced forward, ready to give chase to whatever target had the unfortunate circumstances to warrant a Fett's attention. However, to make sure to always keep Slave One's cockpit angled up, Boba Fett would later install a specialized stabilization system for just that purpose. With all that said, the famous fire spray of course hadn't always belonged to one Fett or another. In fact, Slave One was initially conceived of by a subsidiary company of the Starship manufacturer, Kuat Drive Yards, on the planet Kuat. This was before eventually ending up in the hands of Django prior to the Clone Wars. After Django's death, Boba, his son, utilized the deadly craft on his own bounty hunting career during the fall of the Republic, and of course, at the time of the First Galactic Empire, and now again, during the time of the New Republic. Originally, the initial six fire spray prototypes were designed as prisoner transports that served as guard ships at a detention center on the prison moon Uvo 4. However, that soon changed about a decade prior to the start of the Clone Wars, when Jango Fett for the first time came across Slave One and decided to 
procure the mighty vessel for himself. In Legends, while tracking a bounty that involved fighting his way through rioting prisoners and armed guards, a rival bounty hunter, the female shapeshifter Zam Wessel, who was after the same quarry as Django, attempted to slice into his ship which at the same time was an assault transport called the Jaster's Legacy. Now while Django caught Zam before she could take off with his transport, one of the detention center's fire sprays came swooping in and blew his ship to smithereens. Having no choice, Django, with Zam tagging along, then had to make his way to the prison moon's hangar bays where the prototypes were stored, including the future Slave One. After they secured Django's new ship, the future template for the clone army launched a couple of missiles into the hangar bay, wiping out the remaining five fire sprays to make sure no one could chase after them. This leaves Slave One as the only remaining fire spray class vessel throughout the entire galaxy. At least in Legends. And at least for a while, until Kuat Systems once again produced the model several decades later. Soon after Django's final fate at the hands of Jedi Master Mace Windu during the first battle of Genosis, which launched the Clone Wars, Slave One came into his son's possession, the unaltered clone Boba Fett. While Boba was just a child at the time, maintaining ownership of the Slave One, which was extremely powerful, did have its challenges. For instance, a starship thief called Honest Gjon once stole Boba's ship on the rock-covered and dirty moon of Bog 2, before the young Fett and another thief named Aya were eventually able to steal the fire spray back. This wasn't the only partnership Boba formed, though as an adult, when he would eventually earn the same reputation as his father before him, as the galaxy's greatest bounty hunter, Boba Fett would usually be a solo act, with rare exceptions. But back when he was just a kid, Boba would try and form alliances with the galaxy's other scum and villainy, I suppose as an attempt to fill the vacuum that the loss of his father had left him with. One such substitute was the Peliduvan bounty hunter, and in Legends, a failed Jedi Padawan, Aura Singh, who worked with Boba during the Clone Wars, as both his ally and mentor. And I suspect that for Boba, she was perhaps also a mother figure of some sorts. One such job with Aura Singh, along with the ferocious and disreputable Trandoshan bounty hunter Bosk, Boba Fett visited the Outer Rim Sulfurous Desert world of Florum to meet with the notorious yet somewhat good-natured weak-way spice pirate Hondo Onaka. However, their business was soon interrupted by the arrival of the Keldor Jedi Master Plo Koon and the Togruta apprentice of Anakin Skywalker, Ahsoka Tano. The Jedi were able to capture the still-fledging young Fett and even the fearsome Bosk, but Boba's mentor, Aura, proved to be slightly more troublesome for the Force-sensitive galactic protectors. She managed to take off an attempt to escape with Slave One abandoning Boba and Bosk. But Skywalker's powerful Padawan was able to use the Force to leap on top of the Fire Spray's hull and use one of her lightsabers to cut off one of the ship's wings. With the damage, Aura was no longer able to maintain control of the craft and she crashed. The Jedi believed her to be dead and the Slave One to be destroyed. However, Hondo was able to recover Aura's unconscious body from the crash, and realizing how exceptional Boba's ship was, Hondo decided to rebuild it and temporarily take ownership of the fire spray. He even had it painted green before Slave One was eventually returned to Boba towards the end of the Clone Wars. As time passed and Boba continued his bounty career during the Imperial Era, he would continue to modify his ship through the years, adapting it to become more and more suitable for his deadly profession. He even arranged for enough space on board to store his own swoop 
should the job require it, and he allocated a section of the ship as well to holding cells for those unfortunate souls that found themselves on the wrong side of his bounty contracts. For instance, Boba would replace the ship's two rapid-fire laser cannons with an ion cannon instead. He then added a concussion missile launcher, and as an extra support in capturing his prey, Boba also installed a miniature tractor beam projector. In addition, in order to allow him to enter any area undetected, Fett additionally equipped the Slave One with a stolen jamming and sensor masking array. This allowed the fire spray to enter even the capital world of the Empire, Coruscant itself, without being detected or any other planet for that matter. But should he run into any situation where sneaking wasn't an option, he of course had the incredible firepower of Slave One to fall back on including the proton torpedoes that he replaced his projectile launchers with as his main ordnance. The most famous incidents involving Slave One were of course the time Boba used it to track the rebel hero and smuggler Han Solo to the mining facility in Cloud City on Bespin. Solo had a bounty placed on him by both the crime lord Jabba the Hutt and the Empire, resulting in the Dark Lord of the Sith, Vader himself, to personally send Fett after him. Though Boba did manage to capture the resilient rebel and transported Solo's frozen carbonite body back to Jabba, he still had to contend with a few IG-88 assassin droids on the way, who wanted the bounty for themselves. And of course, the droids failed. You can actually see IG-88 in pieces on Cloud City for just a brief moment. Again, some of the stuff that I'm going over is from Legends and some of it is from the new canon. In both versions, however, Solo was eventually rescued by his allies from Jabba's palace, and Boba Fett found himself as an afternoon snack for the Sarlacc. That is, until... Mandalorian Season 2. Even the massive Sarlacc of the Great Pit of Carcoon was not enough to end the son of Jango Fett. Boba survived, and was eventually able to escape the massive beast before being rescued. By who? Well, legend says it's Dengar. What it'll be in canon now? I guess we'll find out. Now my theory on how he survived is possibly a crate dragon ate the Sarlacc. But suffice to say it, once Boba Fett had healed up, he immediately got back into the game and stole Bosk's ship, the Hound's Tooth, to make his presence again known in the galaxy at large, at least in Legends. However, in his rush, Fett left Slave One behind, abandoned above the orbit of Tatooine, where the fire spray remained until a rebel scout patrol came across it some time later. From there, Slave One spent its days in a shipyard for years, undisturbed till at last, Boba Fett finally recovered his father's old ship and took possession once more. Though by that time, new fire sprays had been put into production, and so Boba had a new version that he very originally named Slave 2. In fact, throughout Boba's career in Legends, he would have up to four fire sprays that all carried the same sort of numbering system, one through four. By the time the Slave 1 was back in Boba Fett's hands, Han Solo was still causing the Imperial Remnant problems. The remains of the Empire and its forces stood posed to take back what they had lost after the Battle of Endor, thanks to the mysterious return of Emperor Palpatine, that is. Though in reality, this reborn Emperor was a clone of the mighty Sith Lord, and even so, his mastery of the dark side still caused, or almost caused, the fledgling New Republic to crumble. During this period, Boba was once again on the hunt for Solo, and so he ambushed the Millennium Falcon's captain above the hut stronghold of Narshada. Unfortunately for Fett, though he was able to severely damage Solo's own iconic ship, the rebel scoundrel managed to escape and make repairs. Fett wasn't done though, and so Boba waited for Solo to make his move. Once he did, 
Bobo was on him. But what he didn't anticipate here was that the Falcon had been upgraded with an antique weapon. This antique weapon proved to be quite effective when paired with a modern power plant. It was named the Lightning Gun. This innovative weapon was so destructive that when it hit the Slave One, it tore the mighty vessel apart. Boba only survived thanks to using his ship's escape pod. As a result of the damage, the legendary bounty hunter had no choice but to put Slave One in dry dock for years to come. In the meantime, he was using Slave 3 as 2 had already proven its usefulness and had been scrapped. And of course, 3 was eventually replaced with Slave 4. I don't know what it is with Boba Fett and his ships, but for such a brilliant bounty hunter, he kind of had a bad track record with keeping his vessels intact. Anyways, when naturally Slave 4 met a similar fate as his other ones, he went back to the OG just prior to the invasion of the hyper-aggressive extra-galactic warrior race, the Yuuzhan Vong. From then on, throughout the entirety of the Vong War, and well into the time of the presiding Second Galactic Civil War, Boba Fett seemed to have exclusively used Slave One as his primary ship. At least in Legends, this is where we left Boba Fett's fire spray. But in the new canon, well, now that Boba Fett has at least made his appearance a couple times. But in the new canon, I hope to find out more. Hope you enjoyed this video about some of the lore and weapons of the Slave One and its history. Hope you enjoyed it, leave a like if you did, and I'll see you in the next one. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you, always.